have you recovered from your uh, outing yesterday? Sure, yeah. Um, 8-8-1 on aggregate over the last two games. There's got to be something to rant about, though, surely. Otherwise, we're just going to give up. It's going to be moaning slightly cast. <laughs> I think Rooney was pretty terrible for Everton, but that's not our problem. Um, the... Uh, Let's let's start at the start then. CSKA Moscow one, Manchester United four. Uh, a scoreline which somehow flatters CSKA Moscow fairly considerably, I would say. Oh, I mean, United were good enough to get double figures, I think, in that game. They were terrible, Moscow, terrible. I mean, um, I suppose I should say United were good, but I don't think they actually had to be that good against this Moscow side. I, I mean, the the centre backs were thirty six and thirty eight or something like that. So. I suppose no surprise that our zippy forwards might cause them some problems, but uh, they were just all over the place. The only negative point about that game, well, two, two really. One, it didn't score more because really should have, uh, and a pretty sloppy goal to concede uh, near the end of the game. Yeah, and uh, we'll take that as the only negatives from what I think most of us predicted would be a fairly tough trip, or at least if not a tough trip, then one which United approached defensively. And in spite of... Uh, lineup where he played three at the back. That that was three at the back used for its attacking purposes, wasn't it? A, a very it fluent and effective performance from United's front three. It's very very rare that United have pay, played three at the back under Mourinho and uh, and played an attacking style. So I, maybe that's the first time. I mean, I may be forgetting another game, but uh, typically it's three at the back, back with two covering and and two wide players covering the wing backs as well. So. Uh, you know, he's typically used it to to play very, very defensive, um, as he did a, a number of times last season, but not not on this occasion. I, I actually thought that, uh, United, I didn't think United would struggle because uh, Moscow had lost so many games already this season. But I did think that uh, Mourinho might approach it in a kind of fairly conservative manner, but I was completely wrong. United went for it right from the start. Uh, yeah, who scored half the formation for United as a 3-4-2-1 um, with Martial and Mkhitaryan tucked in behind Lukaku when that's based on their sort of average positions? Um, I think you could call it a 3-4-3 pretty safely. And that front three between them, uh, Mkhitaryan with a goal, Lukaku with two goals, Martial with a, a goal from a penalty and two assists. Not too shabby at all. Uh, Martial was awesome, I thought. I thought he was uh, he was a standout player. Um, obviously, got he got his goal from the, the penalty, but uh, I thought he was absolutely devastating every time he got the ball. Uh, but you know, par for the course, he'd get dropped. Of course, for the game of the weekend, um, he might, you know, may, may, maybe he's in a good position place at the moment mentally because he, you know, he's uh, uh, he doesn't seem to be complaining. We're not hearing stories of him wanting out in January or anything like that, despite the fact that he, he doesn't start too many games. But uh, I thought it was a little harsh on the lad to drop him after such an awesome performance. But uh, Mkhitaryan was good uh, as well against Moscow. Uh, Lukaku with his uh, sort of standard couple of goals now. Um, United completely dominant in central midfield. Both Matic and Herrera, uh, you know, both had um, no total number of passes in the 90s and pass completion rates in the high 90s too. Uh, completely dominant, and even the wing backs were decent. So, um, and and the back three didn't have to do a lot. To be honest, now Moscow's back three in incredibly generous mood, both in terms of their positioning and their just complete inability to do anything about Lukaku. He, he won't score two 
easier goals, or certainly not than than the second one. And you know, United were three nil up after within the first half an hour, and they could coast. Uh, Marcel was Marcel was just magic in, in that game, and uh, he kind of was again when he came on late against Palace. Um, it was interesting what happened inside Old Trafford when Marcel came on. There was a definite change in tone around the ground. He's I'd say that there's a strong argument that he might be just might be the most popular player in the United squad with with the fan base at the moment. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, Moscow terrible, terrible defending by them thoroughly. And and the thought that that I had after during that game was the one thing you really don't want to be against us at the moment is a bad team because uh, bad teams. In the last couple of years, you've been basically fine being a bad team against us. Just, yeah, be reasonably well organised and we'll fail to do anything or fail to take our chances or fail to create chances or something. But um, but nowadays, it's just like, OK, if you're bad against us, we'll probably score four goals against you. Yeah, well, it seems to be the standard number of goals we score at the moment. Uh, very popular this season. Uh, there's There's lots and lots of firepower in this team. And, um, you know, maybe even more important than the amount of firepower is, because, you know, there was lots of firepower last season as well, is is that Jose is just feeling a little bit more relaxed with Matic in the team there. He feels that it gives United a defensive base from which to build. And and to use his own words, he's let the horses run freely a, a little more often. You know, a couple of games, Southampton being the exception in particular, but mo- most of the time United have been less conservative than last season. It's, it's good. It's, it's not um, Fergie in the mid-90s, six players storming forward at every attack, uh, but it's better football than we've seen for a long time at Old Trafford. Yeah, it's five players storming forward every attack, and that will do for now. You know, we'll get the sixth involved eventually. Um, uh, Herrera and Matic in the centre of midfield against Moscow, and United definitely looked more fluid for that, I thought. 61.6% possession in that game, um, which, considering we were four nil up, with 3-0 up within half an hour, that number is really remarkable because typically what happens when a team uh, goes so far ahead of the game is the other team have the ball a lot more for the rest of the game. But this was not one of those. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I was going to say, did, did United relax after half time? Uh, not, not really. I mean, you know, completely dominant. There, there have certainly been games... Uh, this season, when United have gone up and uh, and uh, eased off a little bit, although you know, obviously a lot of late goals too, um, I, I thought United were dominant through most of this game. Um, I mean, I, I have no data to back this up, or I do have data to back this up if I could be bothered to look in, look at it. But um, I feel that they created a lot of chances in the first half and probably fewer in the second. Uh, but by then the the game was done, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, you you can just you can just afford to do that, can't you? Okay, so I'm sat in front of I've got who scored up right now, and we haven't got number of chances. But in the first half, United had nine shots to Moscow second, to Moscow seven, sorry. And in the uh, second half, that number was. Seven shots to Moscow, six. So not a great deal in it in terms of shot numbers, although that isn't that really isn't the same as chances created, is it? Uh, you know, the lots of long shots and stuff get get thrown into that. And I think Moscow's a lot of Moscow's shooting was from range. Did De Gea make any wonder saves in this game? 
I think there was... No, no, I remember. I mean, he did. I mean, Akinfe even De Gea made the same number of saves, but um, I don't remember De Gea making a single save that he had to make. I mean, obviously, the you know, I, I don't think he had done much about the goal. That was pretty sloppy from a central defensive point of view. Three very static players there, um, and a nice finish, I suppose. But I don't, I don't remember him making any decent ones. I think. To, I... I think this is. I just think there was one because I think I remember saying it feels like cheating having De Gea behind this defense because like the whole team just hardly concedes any good chances anyway, and then you, and then they've got to get past De Gea as well. It just doesn't doesn't seem fair really. Um, but yeah, so Moscow brushed aside, and uh, the other result in that group kind of fascinating. I think Basel beat Benfica five nil, um, which obviously. No one was expecting that. Um, and that puts United in just such a such a strong position, having already beaten Basel um, in that group. I think Moscow beat Benfica too. So uh, I think United are the only team on six points uh, in that group. And qualification already looking pretty comfortable. They're going to have to go some to mess it up from here. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think they will. It's a pretty easy group, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. As uh, some conspiracy theories on the... Blue, I was going to say blue half, blue sort of wedge of Manchester uh, or Stockport. Uh, I believe that we uh, we are in hoots with UEFA to get easy draws. We were talking about this at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's not the case, but, you know, I would say that, right? Yeah, it's the Gilluminati in uh, work again. We, we saw David Gill at the weekend, didn't we? We looking, did. Uh, looking quite bronze, I thought. Yeah, um, we, were sat in, uh, we were sat in the south stand which we didn't get to choose where our seats were. And, and you have to say, very kindly um, sorted out by a friend of ours, um, but the uh, the view was absolutely extraordinary. So we're pretty much on the halfway line, uh, 10 rows back from the pitch in the south stand, but distinctly lacking in atmosphere, that bit of the ground. Very funny. Yeah, no, I had a season ticket there for five or six seasons. Um, I, probably that number of times that I heard anyone sing as well over those five or six seasons. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that was Moscow. I, I mean, not a lot to say about that because it was just so easy, and uh, I can't imagine they're going to be any better at Old Trafford. So I think there's another three points in the bag. We've got yeah, double header against Benfica coming up, uh, and uh, given what just happened against Basel, I think we can assume they're not particularly good. Uh, and then the trip to Basel, it should, you know, why shouldn't United win six out of six in this group? There's no good reason whatsoever, especially when, um, you know, the, the one thing that we were both saying yesterday when watching the, the Palace game was that United kind of looked like they lacked a bit of enthusiasm. And when you think they kind of got back to Manchester at, in the middle of the night on Thursday, uh, you know, like sort of first thing in the morning Thursday, um it's not that surprising after a trip like that that they uh, they were pretty glad to be able to take their feet off the feet off the gas um, as United smashed Crystal Palace four 0 a game that was like a hundred percent over after three minutes. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, yes, they were done, weren't they? As soon as that goal went in, that was it. Palace gone, and uh, you looked at the Palace players and they thought, um, yeah. Game over, and you listed the United players, and they thought game over too because there was a distinct lack of intensity during that first half. Um, I mean, yeah, I th- it's kind of one of those games where Palace is so bad and their morale obvi- obviously so low that uh, if United just picked up the pace a little bit, 
Uh, you know, there was probably six or seven goals in it for United. <laughs> but, I mean, you can see Jose, couldn't you, on the sidelines? You know, he was annoyed by the performance, even though United were 3-0 up at half-time or whatever, something like that. 2-0. Um, 2-0. 2-0 at half-time. Uh, he, he was annoyed because it was um, they were just a little bit sloppy, in particular Henrik Mkhitaryan, who had uh, not a great game for him. Uh, you know, he's obviously created a lot of chances this season, but uh, nothing really going right for him. And... Uh, and just just a little bit slow through midfield. I mean, Fellaini ended up having a very good game because, of course, he's got two goals. Uh, but him and Matic just moving the ball a bit too slow. Um, Mkhitaryan sloppy, um, and the, uh, the the wide players not um, well. You know, Rashford on fire, but just just a little bit lacking in oomph. Um, but it wasn't needed against Palace because they're just so so bad. I mean, can we can we already what? Uh, what are the odds on Palace going down? Is there any money to be had out of this at all? Probably not, right? Well, Ed, funnily enough, I have those odds immediately at hand. You may have heard an edit there in, in the show. Uh, Palace are one to two on to go wow. down. Oh, dear. After wow. seven games. That's that's, uh, that's that's pretty, pretty bad. But, you know, they haven't scored a goal in yes. seven Premier so Some, some so gallows humour from the Palace fans. We'll score when we want. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, United kind of looked like they kind of thought they could score when they want you mentioned there's nothing to rant about and I think Ed you were very very gentle on Henrik Mkhitaryan's performance there because it was an absolute pile of old poop (laughs) completely hot garbage performance from Manchester United's brilliant Armenian 59% pass completion meaning he was successful with a total of 16 passes not not great for the 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 number 10 Craigie Fulcrum yeah I mean the only surprise there is it took uh, Jose so long to pull him off or substitute him yeah, uh, yeah, r- real, real, real stinker from Mkhitaryan. In fact, United looked miles better with uh, Jesse Lingard at 10 than Mkhitaryan at 10, and I'm not sure that'll be the case every week by any stretch of the imagination. He's obviously having a fine season so far in terms of output Mkhitaryan, but this was, we've talked about his kind of inconsistency, and this really was, he looked tired, he looked sloppy. Remember the one where, was it, I think Mata was free, and Mkhitaryan just tried to slot it through and just slotted it, you know, 12 yards behind him. It was one of the worst attempts at a kind of uh, through ball from the middle to out wide you'll ever see in your life. Yeah, <laughs> and and there was about 50 yards of space to play the ball into. Um, so, yeah, n- not, not, not awesome for Mkhitaryan. Rashford was great, though. Ted... <laughs> That's what I'm saying, Ed. Like, not awesome seems very generous. Like, properly atrocious from McTown. Talking of uh, slightly wayward number 10s, did you see uh, Shinji Kagawa's goal at the weekend? Absolutely stunning, wasn't it? Well, check this one out if you haven't um, if you hadn't seen it. Just a beautiful chip. Uh, The kind of chip that Wayne Rooney tried every week and, and absolutely never scored. Just, just sort of throw that in there. My, my favourite thing about that chip is he's falling over while he does it, and his leg, you know, the ball is sort of his body's sort of really overextended forward to kind of give himself the right purchase on the the leg swing. Um, you were saying though, Rashford is on absolute fire, and you know we were talking about how harsh it was for Martial to be dropped, but you you just can't drop Marcus Rashford like the that assist for that first goal. Oh. Um, 
I think maybe he got a little lucky with how many people the pass beat, and I wonder whether the pass wasn't actually intended for Lukaku. Oh, he cut that back beautifully. <laughs> I'm, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. Okay. I mean, uh, he sent Andros Townsend to the corner shop there. I mean, he's. <laughs> I'm not sure the guy will get over that quickly. So, if, no, was it Andrew, Andros Townsend? No, no, Andros Townsend got megged by Martial yeah. later. It God. was for, fortunately it was Ward rather than Townsend because if it was Townsend and then he'd been megged by Martial later, he might just be crumpled in a heap today, Andros. I mean, he'd be so. in your he'd be in your studio for therapy after that. I mean, that was, that, <laughs> <laughs> that that was uh, that was brutal uh, on both occasions. Yeah, yeah. But Rashford's um, just you know he turned back inside to go to make Ward think he was going kind of inside and upfield, and then he was like, ah, "See ya, I'm actually going this way, pal," and uh, beat him. And it was just amazing, and the, the whole stadium was electric when that happened. And then for Mata to score immediately afterwards, it was brilliant. And and United were actually kind of at the races for about five or ten minutes, but then then the the I don't know if it was the travel from Moscow or how easy the game was or whatever the rot definitely set in until. Big Marouane scored, which uh, from where we were sitting, you couldn't tell which bit of him he'd scored with, but it was his foot, not his head. Um, A a deep cross from Ashley Young, the Young-Fellaini connection back in effect. I tell you what, there's there's a couple of stats, right? There's the Ashley Young assists per goal tally, but also the percentage of Ashley Young assists that Marouane Fellaini scored. It must be like relatively high. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I did get a couple of messages to go and see, see, Ashley Young's good, best crosser in the team. I'm like, hmm, I mean, okay, on that evidence, very good cross. Uh, it is his one trick, cutting back inside and floating across to the far post. Um, very fine ball from Ashley Young. Uh, most of the time it isn't. Uh, so say the stats and my eyes. Uh, two very important metrics there. Uh, but, yeah, great great ball from Young. He, actually, he's been performing very well, Young. At, uh, you know, you do wonder against a, a proper proper right winger whether he might uh, struggle a little bit. But uh, I think Josie likes him because he gets up and down that um, that uh, left-hand side a lot better than Daily Blint. You know, it's still Blint's best position playing left-back, but uh, I think Ashley Young is a better left-back than Daily Blint. Sorry, Daily. <laughs> Um, talking of eyes, seeing it with your eyes, we um, and talking of amazing crosses, we had a lovely view of David Beckham from where we were sitting. Uh, that man is just glorious. Like, the hair is definitely working for him. I think it's interesting that he's finally been allowed to grow his hair again after he was forced to cut it off as a penance when he was at Real Madrid. Hmm. I, I thought he had a bit of Robbie Savage about him with that haircut. I'm, I'm not sure it works. It's outrageous. That is an outrageous slur on one of humanity's most precious. Um, there was a nice moment where uh, where Fergie um, Fergie went over and gave him a little gave him a little handshake and hello while he was heading down. It was there was definitely like you could see people were excited about something and you couldn't see what it was and then suddenly yeah. realised it was David Beckham. It was nice. So there you go. Uh, second goal, third goal was. Uh... What? Fellaini again. So Fellaini the Rashford, again. Yes. The Rashford, Rashford free kick, which... Absolute bullet free kick. I mean, I have to say, he is the best dead ball um, uh, in in the team, isn't he? At least uh, at least in certain situations. I mean, Matters obviously, you know, got a lovely deft touch, but Rashford's really able to fizz them over. They're kind of flat delivery that Beckham used to have. Uh, and that's always going to cause a lot of trouble. And um, 
in real time, we thought initially maybe that had gone straight in, but Flaney very distinctly went across and celebrated it as his goal. And then you could see why when you see the replays of it, because actually he does very, very well to, you know, puts his, he puts himself right in the right position and um, manages to kind of deflect a ball which is traveling at tremendous speed right into the right place so a, a lovely a lovely header from Fellaini I mean you know he didn't have to jump right that's the, that's the, <laughs> Fellaini, that's the working rank cast Fellaini th- theory that he's brilliant at headers he doesn't have to jump for yeah I mean I thought it was a good header actually you look at the um look at the replay and he's done very well for that one so um yeah you know his xg on this game just 2.85 um which will tell you something about the uh how easy some of the goals were in the end. Something about Crystal Palace. Palace is actually 0.1, which I think might be generous on them. They're, they're absolutely terrible. If they score 15 goals this season, it'll be a miracle at this rate anyway. I think Moscow's was 0.3 um, and United was was up close to three again. Uh, well, if you're on a barnstormer on XG, uh, Milan-Roma at halftime was 0.25 and 0.11. That's not a good game. That is not a good game of football. I just did the quick maths in my head to work out if that was a lot or not. It's not a lot, is it? It's uh, not a lot. We Talking of XG, we definitely expected goals when uh, Anthony Martial came on. Um, and just Old Trafford lit up at the mere sight of him coming on. I don't know whether this is just confirmation bias on, on my behalf, but it definitely seemed like people were very excited to see him. And the noise that ground made when he um, nutmegged Andros Townsend was absolutely incredible it was the sound of 73,000 people going oh <laughs> it was uh, well, yeah it was a mix of delight and just you know instant sorrow for the man who got megged <laughs> <laughs> he didn't it, it's not just like he just passed it through his legs he showed him the ball and then whipped it through uh it was like here you go have the ball oh no sorry see ya uh, and, uh, <laughs> instead of kind of rushing back to defend Townsend, Townsend just goes, ah, and you can see him like waving his arm, like absolutely gutted about what's just happened. Um, that didn't lead directly to a goal. Uh, we thought Martial might be just about to score, but Hennessy did relatively well to uh, to block the space and stop him from scoring. But he did get an assist. Uh, and, you know, at Lukaku, there'd been the chance a few moments earlier where he'd he'd cut through and it looked like he was definitely going to finish and he, he curled one kind of perfectly, but just the wrong side of the post. Um, uh, and then, but then Lukaku got an, another very easy goal for him. Uh, terrible. A bunch of defenders who'd utterly given up by that point and Martial swung it in for Lukaku who tapped home and that was it, 4-0. Yeah, I mean, Lukaku's conversion rate's in the mid-30s. It's as good as anyone in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, A lot better than Harry Kane's, actually. Um, but Harry Kane takes a lot of shots. Uh, mm. And, and it's, not the, it's not the weekend to have a go at Harry Kane, um, having scored a, a very fine hat-trick uh, against Huddersfield. Oh, no, double. A double against H- Huddersfield. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so he's... Look, it's good conversion rates, but he'll be disappointed he missed that first one, for sure. And it's that kind of miss that has some people going, mm, he's a bit flaky. Um, I think, actually, what it is, is all strikers are a bit flaky. Yes. Um, and uh, he's getting a lot of chances and putting a lot away. Yep. Uh, 11 and 10 for Lukaku. Uh, a, a truly remarkable run. And we're not going to labour this point, but um, it was nice to see that the collective seemed to have moved on together. Hashtag respect everyone. Yeah, I think we can all move on from that one. Yes, we had... Um, yeah. 
Yeah, overheard an amusing conversation next to us, but we'll we'll leave that one there. I think. <laughs> yeah, we were. Let's let's just say we were in the south stand and leave it at that. Um, Mata uh, Mata, who is a player who I think when you look at that lineup, you go, okay, there's there's two options if you want to bring Martial into the side regularly, and and one is to drop Mkhitaryan and the other is to drop Mata. And if you drop Mkhitaryan, you bring Mata central and play Rashford and Martial on either flank. Uh, and or you just drop uh, Mata and play Martial on the right or Rashford on the right and the other on the left behind Lukaku. And I think right now there is kind of a decent argument for that. But actually, Juan Mata was brilliant against Palace. He got his goal and there was a few really lovely touches with the ball. Yeah, and it's pretty fluid. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, based on Mkhitaryan's performance there, you 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 might do that. I mean, honestly, Jose just doesn't want to play Mata in the centre. It's really very rarely happened. Uh, You know, I guess it's because he feels it's just a bit more dynamic with a pacier player through the middle. Mkhitaryan or Lingard appears to be the men that will get that that role most of the time. Um, Mata gives you something different. He's, you know, the speed is with the ball, not with the player. Uh, but he, did, you know, he's 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 fine on the right. You know, he uh, he gives United balance, and as long as he has the opportunity to come in, I think it's where he's playing for David Moyes and you know hugging the touchline, getting chalk on his feet. That was that's not so great. Um, when he can uh, drift inside and and other players take up that space, especially Antonio Valencia. Uh, who's always going to do that, then then he can get involved in the game in important areas. Yeah, um, I thought United's midfield looked... Um, looked. I know it's kind of a bit ridiculous to analyse this game in any depth because of how terrible Palace were, but I did think United's midfield looked a bit livelier when once Herrera had come on. Um, well, it's, it's always going to be the case. I mean, um, you know, I, 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 not having to go at Fellaini because he scored twice and uh, and generally put himself about a bit, didn't he? You know, he's uh, he's not the most mobile, but he made a few good tackles, got the ball back, used the ball sensibly. He's never going to um, he's never going to be particularly expressive with the ball, uh, but as long as he does does something sensible, that's okay. Uh, but Herrera is just moves the ball much quicker uh, and much sharper and into more penetrating positions. So, you know, I'd always have him in the side against ahead of Fellaini. Um, you know, uh, Mourinho trusts Fellaini, uh, keeps saying it. So, you know, it looks like they're going to extend the guy's contract. Um, he's got a couple of goals now this season or three goals this season, I think. Um, and uh, he's he's there currently as a plan A, not a plan B. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it'll be fascinating to see after the international break what happens with that midfield uh, against Liverpool, who in theory uh, are a tough, are the toughest team that we've played yet this season, uh, not not including Real Madrid, obviously. Um, although Liverpool's struggling a lot, but we'll have a, a an in-depth preview of that during the international break. Um, so yeah, all in all... United's rampant, did not need to be anywhere near their best to win 4-0. But over the last couple of seasons, I mean, you know, 4-0 is the new 1-1, right? That's This is the, the mantra of Manchester United 2017-18. And if this keeps up, we've got every chance um, of, of making a, a real dent in the league. The two Manchester sides already got a five-point gap over Spurs in third place, or the Harry Kane team, as Pep Guardiola referred to them. He said, because wow. he was asked about City being favourites, and he said, well, you know, United are very good, and then there's the Harry Kane team. <laughs> 
I mean, City, I don't like to say this, but they were very good against Chelsea, um, having watched it back. Uh, I thought uh, we, were talk- we were talking about this game over the weekend. I was uh, convinced it was on Sunday, but then, of course, it was on Saturday evening. So I managed to squeeze that in today. Um, very impressive, I thought, uh, City. Rather worrying. Mm, I, um, I was having a chat with someone who was at City's midweek game with Shakhtar uh, when he said that, that they'd uh, really struggled during the first half, and I think that was the, the, the feeling was that City players were a bit flat after that performance. But even in the game when they struggled, like once I go back to XG, but it was like XG of 3.0 to 0.5 is a pretty definitive win in terms of creating high quality chances, even if they weren't at their best. They've lost Benjamin Mendy, of course, as. Um, as everyone on Twitter will know, thanks to uh, the spat between him and Manchester United's Duncan Castles. Um, <laughs> uh, Dunk one, Mendy nil on that one. Uh, yeah, it's a, a really unfortunate situation for him, but he's going to be out for a really long time. Um, so so, uh, so maybe uh, Sergio Aguero, I mean, having had that accident in midweek. Um, I don't know what the controversy was about that. I mean, there's some journalists suggesting that Somehow uh, Aguero had done something wrong. It's an hour's flight over to Amsterdam to watch a concert. He stayed in a hotel and was getting a taxi back to the airport. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but uh, involved in an unfortunate accident. Hit the post. I did try and check up uh, uh, Aguero's hit post uh, stats this season. I think it might be his first. That's outrageous. That's absolutely... A man's life was in jeopardy. Um, but no, uh, obviously don't wish ill on the individuals involved. Or I say obviously we don't. I guess I have to. I just I guess I have to extend that head to. Obviously, I don't wish injury. <laughs> I, I don't wish any injury to him. I just wish a very slung and com- complicated yeah, recovery yeah. from that broken rib. They can be nasty broken yeah. ribs. Um, and and you know, City did okay without Mendy and uh, and Aguero against. A, I mean, a team that actually are a properly good team. Although Conte definitely playing the kind of oh, we had a tough away trip in midweek, where they'd done very well, of course, against Atletico Madrid. A, a fine performance from Chelsea, that. Yeah. One, one question mark over City, and I think this is a fair one. They spent £150 million yeah. on fullbacks in the summer, and they're playing Fabian Delph at left-back. Well, yeah, because Mendy's injured, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, a yeah, bit of a problem. Yeah. I mean, although Pep Guardiola loves Fabian Delph like a son, it would appear. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, the uh, this is... I mean, it's too early to say because, like, the last season, this time last season, City were on a 10 game winning streak and Chelsea hadn't gone on their big run yet. So, you know, the destination of the title looked pretty definitive early last season and then it, it changed dramatically over the course of the season. So we will see. But, but for now, th- this season has kind of started like I guess a lot of people thought last season would with the two Manchester sides tearing away. And, you know, I remember, Ed, you saying in, like, the second podcast of the season, maybe, that um, United had this run before the Liverpool game where they didn't really have any tough task and they could uh, potentially, like, have a lot of confidence-boosting wins. And, you know, one draw and the other six games all wins and scoring an average of over three goals a game in all competitions, I think, this season, absolutely crushing it so far. Yeah, um, and then you look to the next sort of six weeks or so, and by early November, United will have played Liverpool, Chelsea and Spurs, and I guess by then we'll know how good we really are, you know, and I'm not sure the benchmark of any teams we've played so far is particularly high. Um, uh, Liverpool 
you know, mixed, aren't they? Uh, but Chelsea away will be tough and Spurs at home will be tough too. So I think we should uh, really know whether United will really be challenging for the title by sort of early November. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, what's your instinct? What, what would you have to say if, you're, if you just ask your gut, how good are we right now? Obviously, we don't. This, is, this isn't scientific, but how, what do you reckon? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I'd worry about the left back position certainly, and the depth in central midfield. Um, they're they're you know they're two sort of weaknesses, I suppose. Um, there's some inconsistency in the side. Uh, so um, I look. I, if I was to guess right now, I'd say United would be within five points of the title. I'm not certain that United would win it. Um, not particularly confident about that, but within five points. And I think that's that's progression, yeah, isn't it? absolutely. That's just a guess at this stage. Of seven course. games in. Of course. No one's going to hold you to that. Or maybe they will. We'll find out when we look to the listeners. And uh, this is very exciting. Still on a Twitter break. Two weeks in a, in a row. I'm back soon, I guess. I can't quite face it, but I'll have to come back at some point. Um, but for now, Ed, it's over to you and the listeners. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really like this because I'm getting extra work every week. I just like to rock up and answer some questions, not actually have to read them. Jeez. Uh, Matic for the people, at Matic for the people, says, did Glazonomics unwittingly deliver to our two of our finest fullbacks in the last 20 years in Young and Valencia? <laughs> yep. Simple answer to that question, yes. Yeah, I, I think he may have his tongue firmly in his cheek there. Um, at Level 2 Rogue says, does the success Marcel has been having this season prove that this is exactly how he should be deployed? Well, no, he does not. He should play through the middle, although he's not going to with Lukaku. He's scoring bags of goals. So uh, off the left is fine for him. I mean, he's ever so, ever so, ever so good at delivering. I think he's got five goals and four assists this season. Um, so I think there's a fairly solid argument that... He adds a great. He's a bit. It's a bit like playing David Villa wide left in the attack. You know, you, you're basically playing a brilliant striker in the wide left position of the attack. But the fact that he can kind of nutmeg fullbacks and you know get to the byline and put crosses in and be you know Anthony Martial in front of goal means that you, you don't half have a a great deal of strength in the side playing him wide left with a player like Lukaku up front. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, I mean, Jose talked about a 4-3-3 or 3-4-3 suiting Martial. And I, I think the thing that takes away from Martial, in a way, is if he has to too, do too much defending. You don't want to play like Anthony Martial and run 80 yards to get into a dangerous position. No, absolutely. Same with Rashford, actually. Um, although Rashford's such an amazing runner that he can kind of do it anyway. Like People do get excited when, when Rashford picks the ball up in United's half. When is Klopp going to be subject to the same scrutiny as all other managers instead of the media kissing his ass? says at Pebbles Miller. Uh, Klopp is a fraud. I don't know whether it's a question or a statement. I, I have to say I agree with both. I mean, it's because the Scouse Mafia run the media in this country. Oh, come on. Hashtag Scouse News. Outrageous nonsense. Um, no, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I think he, he gets a free ride, not because... Um, of anything to do with the Scouse Mafia, which hasn't run this, uh, hasn't run media in this country for ten years now. So it's all United Mafia now. Um, the uh, the truth is that Klopp's such a character that people, you know, he's column inches all the time. But I, I, I think he's 
maybe it's too early to say this this season, but so far I think he's quite seriously under-delivering de- on what people would have hoped for him at Liverpool. Yeah, they're, they're nowhere. Nowhere. Uh, uh, Shankly say second is nowhere. Well, uh, how, how bad is mid-table? <laughs> Pretty bad. At Matt Mitchell 3 says, which United player would make the best Labour leader? <laughs> this one for you, Paul, I think, since you're, since you're in this the cult of Corbyn. Outrageous slander. Um no, I'm uh, I'm I'm off politics on this show for a bit. Uh, but which United player would make the best Labour leader? So you want someone charismatic and fundamentally decent? We'll go with Juan Mata, common goal and all that. Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, so Edward Elric uh, at Edward Elric one nine one says, Paul, can you ask Ed to do a full time Devils preview so we can see his face? No, uh, Paul was Paul was uh, doing full time. Devil stuff at the weekend. I was skulking <laughs> in the background like some spin doctor. Yeah, Ed, is, Ed remains forever in the shadows. As mentioned on the show last week, it's because of his job as an international super spy. Yeah, you're not supposed to tell people that when you're an international super spy. Should we have a it's couple a more? Bluff. Couple more? Yeah, yeah, we've got time. What else are we going to do? We, I, I would say, you know, we've done less than 40 minutes of show. We've only got the international break left to talk about. Bring it on. So Tarek Amir uh, at Le False number 12 uh, says, do you prefer to have strategically cut holes in your socks or not? No, because anytime there is even the hint of a hole in my sock uh, cut or worn out, even the hint, I mean, even if like it suggests there's a sparkle in the eye of the sock, my uh, Mrs. Rant throws them away. I was sure, given her profession, that you would say that she was going to, she would stitch them up. Nope. Right? Nope. 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 Just straight in the bin. Straight in the bin. I I have to buy a lot of socks. Not like you haven't got craft materials lying about. I need to understand what this question means. Have I missed the cultural phenomenon? Are people deliberately cutting holes in their socks? Apparently. Apparently. Do, do Do you have any idea why? Um, so they don't get worn out and get all annoying? Like, in what way, though? Why would, why would cutting <laughs> holes help? This is... Please, help me, listeners. I don't understand. At Mark L. M. Steele, with an E on the end, uh, says, Is Knights of December Derby shaping up to be one of the most important derbies in recent memory? Well, it could be, if it's all very close and, and uh, you know, it's an old-fashioned six-pointer, isn't it? Could, could well be. Can we draft Robin Van Persie in just for that game? Or, or Paul Scholes. Yeah, I mean, you say the most important derby in a few years, and of course, depends what you mean by a few years, because December 2012, well, this would be the fifth anniversary, virtually, of that game, Um, and that that was an absolutely crucial derby, completely changed the tide of that season, really, City's, City's title challenge was basically done after that Van Persie free kick, so... Uh, yeah, it could be massive. Do you know off the top of your head, Ed, whether it's home or away? It's at Old Trafford, so uh, the full three points coming our way. That's when we go top of the table, Paul. Oh, it'll be proper exciting, that would. I mean, you know, we talked about how close United will be to the, the top of the league, and 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 it does hugely depend on the quality of, of City, basically, and, and how long they can sustain this for. And at the moment, it does look like they've kind of resolved some of the issues that plagued them in the middle part of last season. And they have got so many weapons. Like, you know, we talked about the injuries they've got, but Aguero being injured almost doesn't matter at all to City, which is a ridiculous state of affairs um, because they've got so many so many goal scorers in that side. Right? But, yeah, it could be a massive derby. Jesus or Jesus. Jesus. 
No, it's not he. He's he's Brazilian. Oh it's, yeah, it's okay. Jay. Jesus, you you got to say it like you're an Irishman, and then you'll get it spot on. I don't do accents. You do. Okay, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I play Arsenal the weekend before and Moscow in between uh, that derby game. Uh, but by then, that's the last. Last Champions League fixture. United should have won the group already. And you play all the kids against Moscow just to yeah. rest everybody. You know, it's at Old Trafford too, obviously. Yep, yep, yeah. So let's hope so. Um, looking forward to that. We've got, got quite a few tough games between now and then, though. So shall we talk about the uh, World Cup qualifiers coming up? Are you looking forward to International Week? Uh, I I imagine I won't watch any of it. That was, that is what tends to happen. I'm not trying to be uh, too red. Too red for school, you know. Too too cool for school in the top red version of that. Um, but and I, I mean, I've said this so many times on the show. I absolutely love international football tournaments. Absolutely hate international football tournament qualifying. Yeah, England plays Slovenia and someone else who I can't remember. Um, and uh, looking down the list of uh, potential mega games to watch. There is uh, Armenia versus Poland. Awesome. Yeah. Or Romania, are, Romania, Kazakhstan. Yeah. Who are Hungary playing? Yeah. Uh, don't know. Okay. Uh, no. Uh, your boys, France, are away at Bulgaria. Yeah, you say my boys, France, but the problem is uh, it's very hard to get enthused by the David Moyes that is the Didier Deschamps you know <laughs> it's David Moyes yeah yeah no I know you got all that talent now Marcel not in the French squad apparently uh, Mbappe and Payet and and uh, uh, someone else uh, Lamar are ahead of him in the pecking order at the moment uh, they've got some talent if they can leave uh, Anthony Martial out of the squad let alone the team um, but yeah, he manages to take that all that mega talent and turn them into uh, Stoke. Or <laughs> I mean, the, the fact that Pog was injured too make, is just naturally makes them less fun to watch. It's actually quite good this uh, international break in a way because in, um, I mean, England uh, home to Slovenia, away to Lithuania. I guess Smalling Jones uh, and who else will be in the Smalling and Jones. Rashford will, Anyone Rashford else? will get Rashford. involved, presumably. Rashford, and, Rashford. Yeah, I mean, probably, I mean, given his form, he'll probably start to the left of, of Harry Kane, I'd think. Um, that, that's a shame he's got to play. But actually, not too many United players playing international football. No matter, no Herrera in the Spain squad. Obviously, no Pogba, no Martial. Uh, Valencia is going to have a mega trip. That's unfortunate. Um, but I, I don't know if he's playing. I'm going to guess so. Um, Smalling and Jones will be in the squad, might not play. Um, uh, so yeah, quite quite a Lukaku. That's a shame. He's going to play twice for Belgium. They use him a lot, and he scores a hatful of goals for Belgium. Yeah, I mean, if you count his goal, if you count his goals for Belgium, he scored about forty already this season. <laughs> yeah, because he got a hat trick against Gibraltar. He did score four in two during the international break. So if we if he's on ten in eleven in ten for us, um, so it's fifteen in twelve, <laughs> including internationals. Wow, so uh, Latvia versus Andorra. Yes. Banger. Absolute banger. Uh, you know, the, the France thing, we we're talking about that, but they really have put themselves in an outside shot of, of being in some trouble because they drew a very uh, a game 
at the beginning of the, the qualifying yep. group that they really shouldn't have against somebody terrible. I can't even remember who. But then they lost to Sweden in Sweden, and then they drew with Luxembourg. So, you know, if they if they can't hit the kind of form they should be hitting, I mean, then at least Deschamps would be sacked. But it would be such a shame for the... What you want is for them to scrape qualification and for the French Football Association to somehow sack Deschamps uh, ahead of it and, you know, appoint Zidane on a temporary basis for the summer. I, I'm just saying, look, David Moyes is out of work at the moment. Just saying. <laughs> you were saying yesterday uh, he did not get the Birmingham job, David Moyes. Couldn't even get the wow. Birmingham job. He's just done, isn't he? He should just go into the punditry. Oh God, but then we'd have to see him on telly. Then, then we can... We can add him to the list of ex-United players and or managers who are terrible pundits. Oh, yeah, the um, Patreon backers will have heard us talk about that last week. Um, we forgot Ryan Giggs altogether, just didn't even mention him. I mean, to be fair, he'd been the lower half of that list. I mean, yeah. there's some real dross at the bottom. I think we argued about whether, you know, it was Peter Schmeichel or Robbie Savage at the bottom. Uh, you seem to like Savage. Uh, weird, but, you know, hey. Like is a very, very strong word. I mean, when I say a very strong word, I mean my argument was just that at least once I've heard Robbie Savage say something and thought, oh, yeah, that's kind of interesting, whereas that has never, ever happened with Peter Schmeichel. Uh, Ryan Giggs' style is to basically repeat the question in the form of, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it was a very good cross, uh, yeah, and then stare into space. He's got that thousand-yard stare thing going, and you just wonder, is, is something ticking over where he's trying to come up with an answer? I wonder why that's how he can't get a job, because anytime he goes for an interview, uh, it's so. just not happening for him. I, I, it was the anniversary, I saw this on Facebook, the anniversary of a time in 2014 where I wrote a 1,800-word impassioned argument as to why Ryan Giggs should be given the United job. I was reading it back and laughing at myself. So young, so naive. No. <laughs> you still still believe that? <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking about uh, who should get a statue at Old Trafford next. Record appearance uh, numbers for Ryan Giggs uh, for United. He should surely get a statue. Well, I mean, uh, the, the, the problem with Giggs and Skulls, because I don't think you can give one of them a statue without the other. And then you're like, well, what about Gary Neville? Like, he's only a handful of appearances behind them. Um, but the... It's like, I feel like you kind of, if then and if you've got all three of them, then do you just have to do the whole class of 92? And are we somehow going to end up with a Philip Neville statue outside Old Trafford? <laughs> um, He's not in the class of 92. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. But he is, you know, in the class of 92 TM, isn't he? So, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Do you just go gigs and skulls on their own? Seems a bit harsh on the rest. No, oh, you've got to have a Beck statue. Although he just didn't, he didn't, he wasn't there for his whole career, was he? Whereas Giggs, Skulls and never were. Yeah, but like, neither Best nor Law were there for their whole career. Rankast listeners, tell us. And they've both uh, maybe we should go, just go Gorilla erect a statue. Yeah, but it would just be Eric, obviously. Yeah. Eric with a L-U-H-G scarf on. Nice, like it. Uh, I think we're stalling for time here. Have we run out of things to talk about? Uh, it's Liverpool after the international break. We'll preview that next week. But uh, a mini preview ahead, of, you know, thinking ahead to that. What, what are we looking from the international break? As few minutes as possible for our players. Absolutely no injuries and the opposite for any Liverpool players. Yeah, and hundreds of goals for Romelu Lukaku to keep his... Keep his, um... keep his mojo going, yeah. yeah. Uh, Liverpool, who were pretty bad in drawing at Newcastle. Yeah, and pretty bad. Well... 
very, very, very bad in front of goal, like excellent up to, uh, uh, but not including the putting the ball in the back of the net in Champions League in midweek. It was quite funny watching them go to Moscow and fail to go away with the result. And then we just like, you know, smashed four past the Moscow team that we played and then came home all cheery like. Uh, but yeah, really struggling. Yeah, Firmino dropped for this game. Daniel Sturridge came in. Um, you know, they, they've got a problem because I, th- I think they've got good players up front, but not great players. Uh, talking of matters vaguely European, uh, what do you make of Bayern Munich's decision to sack Carlo Ancelotti? Yeah, I mean, they, football cliche coming up. They've hit the panic button, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, this is a three-time European Cup winner. Uh, they, they are going to win the Bundesliga this season. They've just started a bit slow. Um, I mean, they've been more more uh, more weeks or more days outside the top one this season uh, than last season in total. Uh, but it just, you know, it's competitive. But they still got, by miles, the best squad. They are going to win the Bundesliga. Um, Willy Sanyol has been appointed as as um, uh, as temporary coach. I mean, you know, I'm sure he's a very good coach, Willy Sanyol. But is he Carlo Ancelotti? No. But, you know, the the thing is, this is just like a fancy version of what Palace did. Because, or, or even or even what United did, really, with going from Van ha- Moyes to Van Gaal to Mourinho. Going from Guardiola to Ancelotti is a very significant cultural shift. And there is no lineage in that. Like, Angelotti is not a ferocious inch by inch juego de posición coach coach, is he? He's a, you know, raise an eyebrow, get on with it, lads, I believe in you, and here are some tactics kind of coach. He's, you know, famed for his man management. Those three Champions Leagues are not backed up with a kind of equivalent number of league titles. But, and but you know, he's, he's obviously very well regarded in general, but he's not... You know, you you give Guardiola the job, you chase Guardiola for for ages, give him the job, and he kind of, you know, he definitely put his heart and soul into that job Guardiola did, and he definitely transformed the kind of the way that that squad think about football. And then for Ancelotti to sort of stroll in, you, you, really, they should have gone with a progressive appointment there and then. I would have thought. Yeah, but uh, there, there are very few who are Guardiola disciples or similar. Right, so uh, I don't think there's ever going to be much yeah. lineage uh, in the next appointment, and they appointed a very fine coach, very fine coach, and uh, you know I think seven or eight games into the season, they've not started the uh, Bundesliga brilliantly, and they got spanked by PSG. Uh, the latter could happen to anyone this season, uh, and the former, you know, Ancelotti's definitely going to turn it around. I think it's an odd decision, a little too soon. But then the other thing, of course, is that the whole the the, the rumor mill that has churned is that he had properly lost the dressing room. There were big swathes of players that just did not want to play for him, didn't rate him as a coach, all this kind of stuff. And and then at that point, you think, well, actually, rather than it being a that matter of panic, it's kind of a, a sensible thing. I, I wonder if the optics of losing three 0 to PSG aren't quite a big deal because you know. There have been a big three in European football in the last 
a few years with kind of Atletico Madrid nibbling at their heels. But Real, Barcelona and Bayern Munich have been undisputed as the big three. But now you have the emergence, re-emergence of, of us potentially. You've got the emergence of Manchester City as a, a genuine force on the European stage. And then above all of that, you've got the kind of voracious super monster that is Paris Saint-Germain. And, and it means that Bayern have uh, a bit of scrambling to do if they want to re-establish themselves properly at the top table. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not sure sacking your coach eight eight, eight games into the season does that. Uh, if they really believe that, they should have uh, got someone else in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and this is this is the whole thing, isn't it? Whenever you sack a coach, it's it's who who do you have ready to replace him that makes it a good sacking or a bad sacking in a lot of ways. If the answer is Roy Hodgson, probably not that great a sacking. It's fair to say. Yeah, Roy Hodgson spent most of the game uh, in the dugout, occasionally popped out, but most of the time he just uh, he had Ray Lewin there, didn't he? So um, uh, maybe he just didn't want to get wet. He was out there waving his little hands around a little bit. I took a little five-second video of Roy Hodgson waving his hands around, which I found funny. When, when, when we're in a desperate situation, which Palace now are, the man you really want to inject some enthusiasm, some oomph into you, is not Roy Hodgson. Um Ever. He's not, he's not going to inspire anyone. Probably, probably can't even inspire himself to get up in the mornings. It's, uh, it's, it's a sad thought. It's a sad thought, Roy Hodgson. Like, somehow Allardyce used Palace to kind of cleanse the palate of his career, in a way. Like, he just didn't want it to end with the England nightmare. Roy Hodgson's gone, right, I'm going to try that trick too. Oh, no. Oh, no, this was a terrible mistake. This isn't a palate cleanser. This is a make your palate worse. <laughs> yeah. Um... Anything else in European football? Barcelona playing against Las Palmas behind closed doors because La Liga are uh, just what a ridiculous because institution. La Liga are run by Madrid fascistas. <laughs> Franco is making a return. Yeah, that one's not yeah, so funny. And, and all of that. Yeah, some really shocking scenes in Catalonia. Obviously, I go to Barcelona quite a bit. I spend a lot of time in the city and... Uh, you know, very, very passionate set of people, I think, um, about their own national identity and actually what they're really asking. I mean, the vote's about independence, but really it's about leverage. Um, and, you know, they're semi-autonomous and they, they're seeking uh, more autonomy, autonomy over tax and uh, local economy. Um, you know, at the moment, uh, they Catalonia has to ask for a handout from Madrid and they want it to be the other way around. Um, and the uh, reaction from the central government to this has been to send in militarised uh, riot police and drag people out, including very old people, out of voting uh, voting booths uh, physically. It's, uh, it's really astonishing, I think, actually, and um, I wonder whether there'll be an interesting reaction at sort of European government level about the uh, over overzealous policing of this. We shall see. There you go, politics. Yeah, it wasn't me. We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get a bunch of tweets saying you you Marxists. <laughs> I just want to say I did not have any, my fingerprints were nowhere on that. Um, all right, uh, thank you for listening. 
Uh, we'll be back one of these during the international break. Please send your Twitter questions in with hashtag Rankcast because we are going to really badly need them because I'm probably not going to have watched any football at all. I, I think we should set you a football hipster challenge. I'm, I'm going to find I watched, I'm going to find a game for you to watch. Okay, uh, and you're going to make you, it make it good. No, though. make it not no. not not like a, a terrible one. Make it an interesting one. It doesn't have to be mainstream, but I'm not watching Latvia against Andorra or whatever it was. <laughs> awesome. I might do. I watched. I did. I did go fully football hipster earlier in the week. It's not something I do very often, but um, uh, I had occasion to watch Lyon against Atalanta uh, in the Europa League. I believe it was on this very show last week where I said I'm not watching the Europa League this season, but I voluntarily watched the Europa League game, and it was absolutely brilliant. Complete stormer of a game. Memphis didn't come on till late, but um, generally speaking, like both teams really going for it. Proper, exciting, fun football. So there we go. Football hits. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, we'll see you all after a round of uh, several dozen international games. There's bound to be a good one in there, honest. Uh, take care of yourselves and each other. The Rankcast is produced by Tom Jenkins and supported by listeners like you. Head to patreon.com slash rankcast to find out more.